It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, DC? Welcome back to another edition of Lockdown Wizards. I'm your host, Ben Mahich. I cover the team for SB Nation's Bulls Forever. I put out the bat signal today. No Anthony, but I'm joined here by Nathan Kujipotla. He's here. We're reunited. We we used to cover the team and do a podcast um, over at Wiz of Oz. The podcast was called Taking Care of Wizness. We had Jared Dudley on. That was the the, the most widely listened to episode, I think we had 400 people listen to that. So hopefully more people check this out. You can check him out on Twitter and Kuchipotla and you can follow his podcast, Thick and Thin. As always, subscribe to our podcast, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcast, Twitter, at Lockdown Wizards. Nathan, let's just get right into it. Wizards, eight game winning streak snapped in overtime. Bradley Beal, 45, I believe he ended up finishing with. Um it looked like he was going to carry the team at the end there. Scored a clutch bucket to tie it up. Russell Westbrook, we got we got a glimpse of the bad Russ where he took an ill-advised shot, turned it over there, and, and Washington's hopes of winning the game were over. So, Nathan, thanks for joining us. General takeaways from this game, what do you think? It, it was bound to end at some point, but I, I think it ended in a, in a bit more disappointing fashion than, than I would have hoped. Yeah, and thanks for having me on, Ben. It's good to reunite, like you said. I think the number one thing that I would take away from this game is there was 10 different inflection points of when I was positive we'd lose and when I was positive we'd win. And it kept going back and forth, six-point lead, eight-point lead, go away, and then we'd be in a hole. And I don't know how many more years I got to watch DeMar DeRozan kill this team, man. He saw it for, for almost a decade when he was in Toronto, did it again tonight, 37. Very, very similar. Check this out. DeRozan and Beal, you know, combined 82 points, zero made threes. I don't know in 2021 if we'll ever see a game like that with the way players shoot the ball from deep. So definitely a unique game. And and I think the biggest biggest thing is you're not going to win every game, but this is exactly what plagued the Wizards earlier in the season when they were struggling. Could not get stops defensively, and Russ was a one-man show for you know benefiting both the Wizards and the Spurs. And I'm glad you mentioned Russ there because he he's been having the streak where myself included, I was talking about him maybe supplanting Bradley Beal on all NBA list. It's probably wishful mm-hmm. thinking for Russell Westbrook stands out there. It won't happen, but tonight, I mean, 17 missed shots, 26 shots attempted on 22 points. Everybody else played well. Alex Len, 8 for 9 shooting, 17 and 10, probably his best game of the season. Rui Hachimura made his return, 5 for 7 shooting. Anthony Gill even even made an appearance and hit 6 of the 7 shots. So for me, it's that question mark where it's like, Russ, why does he I guess it's one of those questions that will never be answered, but it's like, why the hell does he have these games where he's he's literally burying the team? And and those games have been few and far between, I think, lately. But this just goes to show it's like no matter how good the Wizards play and, and, and his teammates play, Russ can just screw the game up from time yeah, to time. Yeah, I mean, he's the ultimate kind of trick-or-treat superstar that we've had in this generation, right? Where some days he's willing their team through. And and we've seen it in this win streak where even when Beal's played well, the engine has been Russ. And so it's it's one of those things where you're like, you can't necessarily take all the good without accepting the fact that he probably puts, you know, more 
bad on tape than any of the other premier players in the league. And that's just, that's just always how it's been with him. I think later in his career, he's transitioned, unfortunately uh, sliding a little bit more towards the bad, but you know, the number one thing I look at tonight is 63 shots between Beal and Westbrook. And I know Beal made over 50%. He's 20 for 37, which is kind of amazing to hit 20 made field goals in a game, only five free throws. And I mentioned zero three. So he was just on fire all night, but guys, it it's just hard when you're always coming down on offense and you know you're not going to get shots up, right? You, if you're Rui Hachimura, you took seven shots. You know, Raul Neto, who's been playing well, four shots. I mean, like, Berton's only got five threes off. He made three of them. So not getting these guys looks, even when your shot is going in, is actually going to kind of create your offense. It's, it's going to stall out your offense. And we saw that at the end of the game where – Russ had the turnover. He took the bad mid-range. Guys aren't moving because guys are just expecting that one of two players is going to put the ball up. Um, and so tonight, even though the Wizards fought hard, you know, they lost in overtime to a Spurs team that's actually been playing really well as of late. Um, you know, this isn't the Spurs team of old, but they're actually streaking at the right time. I still felt like they, they went back into some of the bad habits from earlier this year. And, you know, even Daniel Gafford, uh, had his first off night in what looked like the entirety of his Wizards tenure and and the defense touch totally crumbled. And so I'm not going to put too much stock into it in terms of the way the team's been playing. They're not going to, like I said, they're not going to win every night. This was a winnable game, though, and I think they let, let it get away from them late. They were up seven or eight in the fourth, um, you know, with six minutes left and some bad execution down the stretch. And um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, bad execution Rui Hachimura had a really clutch three, I thought. It was the only yep. three he hit. Bradley Beal drove to the basket, found him open in the corner. And there were like three other possessions right after that where it was basically the same breakdown. The Spurs uh, collapsed on Beal. Rui was wide open from the corner again. And Beal just, for whatever reason, just refused to pass to him. And he picked up a technical foul at the end there. It seemed like frustrations were boiling over. And he just decided upon himself that you know it was, it was going to be on him tonight. He was going to win the game. And Russell Westbrook, for whatever reason, said, nah, it's going to be on me tonight and, and, and screw that up. But I don't know. I guess what's the recourse there? Because when you watch tape, I'm assuming, of course, they watch tape as a team. How do you break this down and say, all right, we, this, we're falling back into bad habits. Maybe, Brad, you should have made this pass. Or do, do you think it's beyond, I guess, repair in terms of fixing the, the philosophy of what this team's offense looks like? Yeah, I mean, look, this is very similar to the John Wall era, right, where you watch over and over again and there's just plays that don't look like good basketball plays, like ISO 20-foot jumpers, you know, after 10 dribbles and Bradley Beal going one-on-three and taking a step-back jumper. Like, ultimately, when you've been um, – you know, when you've been empowered for so many years, I know Wes, Russ, Russ wasn't in DC, but that's just how he's been allowed to play for the entirety of his career and Beal's the same way. It's hard to just claw that back and say, hey, watch the film and see what's going on here or go find this guy in the corner. Because ultimately these dudes are so much better, so much more famous, so much more empowered than everyone else on the roster that it's not even comparable to say that they, we need to create a little bit more shot distribution, especially not with a coach like Scott Brooks, who, I mean he's not really telling them anything, right? So he's letting them do whatever they want. The players on the, nobody, nobody's going to step up to them, right? Rui's a quiet second year guy. He's the only one on this roster that played tonight that has any semblance of credibility in terms of their NBA hierarchy. The rest of them are journeymen, role players, young players. So there's just, if you think about the pyramid structure of a team, you'd like to see a little bit 
smaller of increments between level one, level two, level two, level three. Right now, the Wizards have two guys at level one, and then the next player doesn't come to like level four or five. So the 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 way they play, if the shots are going in, the Wizards will do well. But if the shots are not going in, these guys have not proven that they know how to play another brand of basketball um, to get the team over the hump. And, and you know. A lot of guys in the league are like that. Like you can't ask Zach Levine to go get 12 assists or, you know, you can't ask Devin Booker to change the way he plays. That's just how it goes with some guys who have not established that level. Not everybody's a LeBron, Jokic, you know, Giannis level facilitator. So I think it's the gift and the curse with Beal and, and with Russ. And so we've, we've ridden high on it for the last, you know, three, four weeks. And now this is the flip side. Nathan, look, not all is lost here. Eight-game win streak. I want to talk about your, um, I guess, approach to the season, the fact that the Wizards have turned it around um, close to securing a play-in spot, uh, whatever you make of that. Before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Lockdown Wizards listeners will be on Locker Rooms shortly. Go download the free Locker Room app now. It's currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms out there for your favorite teams and leagues. We can't wait to join the app. It's Locker Room, and it's changing the way we talk sports. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. This year, the Lockdown Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live. Get insight and analysis from Lockdown local experts and Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Lockdown NFL YouTube page to watch a live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft, April 29th through May 1st. Nathan, eight-game win streak. They were a couple bounces away from nine. Uh, they're creeping up the standings. We've We've had this years long back and forth about the wizards just lacking direction they're kind of stuck in purgatory for years now this team i don't think is much different but i want to i guess pick your brain on that um is it hard to get excited about this team knowing that they're not a contender they're not tanking that they're not in contention for Cade cunningham and jalen suggs or any of these guys that can move the needle in, in in the future i guess how do you approach your fandom knowing that this team has two superstars, but the end goal is really kind of non-existence, probably at best a second round exit. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you mentioned um, being out of the running for Cunningham and Suggs and some of these guys at the top of the draft. When we talked, you know, we talk all the time. We, we, we vent about Wizards more than I think I vent about any other topic in my life, me, you, and the boys. But, like, ultimately, when the season started, we made the rust trade. We were like, okay, this is a 6-7-8 team. 
right? You put Russ and Beal together in the Eastern Conference, 500 is the floor. Russ has never, you know, since his third year in Oklahoma City, not made the playoffs. He's not the guy you can build a title contender around, but he is a guy that has a very high floor just because of how hard he plays every night, how productive he is every night. And then the season started and it got off to a colossal disastrous start, right? Like Russ had the quad injury. We had a bunch of COVID issues. Beal missed some time. And then we got sucked into the void of thinking we had a shot at top five. And now they're playing like how we kind of thought they were going to play. And we're stuck. Like you said, we're an actual purgatory. And I think what's so frustrating about being a fan of this team is there's too many short-term moves, um, but that don't actually get you over the hump. And I'm not saying tanking is the only strategy, right? We've seen teams like Toronto, Indiana, Portland, Houston, for many, many years, they don't tank and they're still able to field competitive teams. They're still able to make deep runs, Um, In the case of the Raptors, of course, they won a title with this method, but the Wizards make these no tank decisions without having a team that has upside enough to make runs in the East. Like we saw the one time that they were able to get to game seven of the conference finals, uh, sorry, round two. And that was considered like a, like they almost put the banner up right for that, for that year. And so the fact that we make these decisions, like in this case, trading a first round pick for Russell Westbrook using the mid-level exception on a Robin Lopez, uh, signing Davis Bertans to an $80 million five-year deal. All of these things are designed to keep the team competitive, but what they're failing to understand is what does it mean to be competitive? Competitive is not eight, nine, 10. Even if this team year after year was like the wall Beal era being in the four or five mix, I think that could at least be sold to the fans right now with Beal playing as well as he is, he's leading the league in scoring or he's second right now behind Steph. The fact that we're still struggling this much is an indictment of management of ownership and it is frustrating like when you watch this team yeah of course you want to root for them to win it sucks to watch a team and try and you know hope that they lose but then you know what the bigger picture is and missing out on a generational generational talent like an Evan Mobley could set this franchise back five ten years like who knows right and we're just going to kind of continue floundering around maybe make the play in I think that seems likely we don't even know if that means a playoff seed so as much as it's fun to watch Russ and Beal go off, it's also hard knowing what the bigger picture should be and, and the lack of urgency that we've seen from now 11 years into Ted Leonsis' ownership. What do you think about that? Well, I, I, what do you say to people, Nathan, who listen to this podcast and say, look, you have Russ and Beal. You can't, you can't tell them to tank. This team is too good to tank with those two guys on the roster. Bertans is finally you know, finding his rhythm as one of the best shooters in the league. Daniel Gafford mm. looks like he could be a legitimate contributor in the league. You add a couple of veterans, and all of a sudden you're in the Eastern Conference and, and, you're, and you're competing for a four or five seed. I mean, I think Atlanta's right now the, the fourth or fifth seed, and all they really did was add a couple of veterans in the offseason. Obviously, the development of Trey Young um, helps and a full season with Clint Capella, but I think if you're the Wizards and your management, you're saying, hey, you're in the Eastern Conference. We don't know what you're going to get with Jalen Suggs or Cade Cunningham. Is that is that worth blowing the team up for when you know what you have in the Beal and Russ? And like you said, Beal is one of the best two guards in the league. Russ, on any given night, still one of the best players in the league, depending on which type of Russell Westbrook you get. So how do you put like how do you respond to those people that say you know, tanking is not a guarantee and the Wizards have two guaranteed all NBA type players and a roster that's that's developing and Danny could still grow into a player and Rui has shown flashes of being a pretty good contributor if not you know at times looks like he could one day blossom into a Tobias Harris or I've called him like a Marcus Morris type player which is which is a pretty good role player in the league so what do you say to those people where you know, give it give it a year give it a year of health and development and all of a sudden you might have a 
good team, and they've shown you flashes of being competitive. Eight straight wins, a couple drops, and they would have beat San Antonio on Tuesday or Monday, rather. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair that if you put Beal and Russ on a team, they're not going to be bad. And that's like I said at the start of the year, I did not expect this team to be bad. Um, they've proven to have a pretty bad supporting cast, and I think therein lies the difference between a team like Washington and Atlanta. Atlanta, because they benefited on the rookie contracts of Trey Young and John Collins, were able to go spend big and get Gallinari, get Bogdanovich. You know, they were able to make that trade. They got them two picks with Kevin Herter, sorry, uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. So ultimately, we don't have a way to develop assets in the manner in which Atlanta did, nor do we have um, cap space to create, to add impact signing guys like Bogdanovich and, um, you know, and Gar. And, and you look, Shepard did a great job picking up Bertans for free, right? He essentially gave up nothing. You know, they thought they were signing Marcus Morris. He gave up, gave him up for nothing. It was a shrewd move. And I think Shepard's made a lot of shrewd moves on low, uh, low risk guys like Daniel Gafford's another example of where this hit. There's going to be some misses, of course, Jerome Robinson, Mo Wagner, like that's natural. Isak Vanga, maybe, I mean, Jerry's still out on him, but like, nah, he sucks. But um, ultimately the team, it's like, what's the plan, right? Because Russ is 33. Beal is coming up on an extension next year. This will be the fourth year in a row for Beal's career where they haven't really been competitive. And what I mean by that is 18, they lost, they got wiped by Toronto in round one, right? 19, 20, no playoffs. 21, play in maybe, playoffs even less of a maybe, but definitely not going to advance past there, right? If we play Brooklyn in round one, that could be a massacre. So how much longer is Beal himself going to say, look, I want to, you know, I want the statue in DC. I want all of that. Like I want the Dirk Nowitzki, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard thing, but those guys also won. Those guys were competitive. They were not, they were not etched in our memories because they've been playing with one team for so long. They're etched in our memories because they did that on top of having deep playoff runs year after year. And if Beal's just not going to have that in one year, he could be gone. So I guess my response is, what do we think the plan is? Like, is it fun to watch those guys go off? Sure. But as a team, as an organization, of course, you're never going to, you know, Russ is never going to tank. Beal's never going to tank. But as a team, what's the vision that lets me know that, you know, we're going to be a team that I'm not even putting title contention on the line. I get that that's only two to three teams a year, but what's the vision that's going to say, Hey, perennially, we're going to at least be competing for home court advantage in round one. And I don't see that right now. And you mentioned Rui and Denny, maybe those guys become something, but you know, history would tell us more often than not at the number nine pick. And based on what we've seen, it's, it's, it's not that they're going to be necessarily all-star caliber building blocks. Nothing comes on the Lockdown Wizards podcast and brings all <laughs> negative <laughs> pixels. But I want to put Nathan in, in the Tommy Shepard seat. But before we do that, I want to let you know that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but basketball is in full swing. The, uh, the Oscars were yesterday. It was covered on Bet Online. All the TV shows and reality TV is there as well. It's real time updated odds, props, and on, on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Go to the website, use your mobile device, and you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Nathan and I, were both car guys. We check in on our cars. I have a Honda named Harold. Whenever I have issues with Harold, I go to rockauto.com. It's reliable. It's low price. Why would I ever want to spend twice as much for the same parts? But I can go to rockauto.com, save some money, get all the same wonderful parts that I want. It's the best prices by the same professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available, 
for your car or truck, right? Locked on into how did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you It's all the parts you'll ever need on rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with our help from help. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So Nathan and I, we, we go back and forth along with the former Wizard of Oz crew about the direction of this team, uh, potential moves, what we'd like to see the Washington Wizards do. We've seen these swings during the season where it looks like the Wizards can get a top five pick. And by virtue of getting a top five pick, Beal's future in D.C. would probably end. That seems to not be the case right now because the Wizards have become somewhat competitive, uh, possibly locking in a play-in spot. So, Nathan, I want to put you in Tommy Shepard's seat. Um, You've seen the development of this team for years and years and years. You seem rather hopeless that this team could as currently constructed, become a contender. And in the NBA, as, as Tommy Shepard said, if you're not a contender, then, then what's the point? I mean, he said that in more or less words. So, Nathan, you got the keys to the D.C. franchise. It's day one. The Wizards are what they are. What do you do? So I'm going to switch gears, right? I've been bringing too much negativity. I'm going to try to be optimistic. The number one thing I think you have to be happy about is you have a top 15 player. Um, I was watching Beal tonight, as I do most nights, and – I mean, you remember him, right? His rookie year, second year, third year. Like, he showed us flashes. Like, he's had big playoff moments, but he was so inconsistent. He didn't look like he got it. His body was fragile. I mean, it is unbelievable how good he is at scoring. And I know that he's got some holes in playmaking and defense maybe, but just in terms of pure ability to score the basketball, it is up there with anyone in this league. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, like literally anyone. Like, his three-level scoring ability – is, ne- is maybe next to none um, when you think about what he can do, um, especially with how much tighter his handle got. So I think you start there, right? Like ultimately the decision and the direction of the franchise is going to ride on what he wants to do. And if he wants to get that extension this year, he's eligible for the 10 year vet, you know, essentially the supermax extension. I think you give it to him because the worst case scenario, you trade him in a year but he still has four more years left on that deal. And so teams are going to trade for him without a lot of concern that he could walk soon. And that is going to increase your leverage in the offer. Best case scenario is you have a 27 year old going to be 28. Who's in the prime of his career playing, you know, ton of minutes does not seem to be wearing down and he's going to give you another five to six years of this level. And if, if not more, right, like why would his game necessarily deteriorate it's not based on like ultra athleticism it's based on skill so I think you start there you know Rui's a guy right at the end of the day whether he's an all-star or not we can decide but you know he's a guy uh Denny's an interesting character I think Denny the problem is there's too much usage between Westbrook and Beal for Denny to do anything and it's kind of the Troy Brown thing all over again uh where a guy needs the ball in his hands not really allowed to have the ball in his hands and so we never really see what he is he turns into a spot-up shooter but he can't really shoot um I think if you're Shepard you go into the draft and you find a guy like Davion Mitchell for example someone who can contribute right now someone who adds some athleticism think about how bad the wings are on this team like if I had to ask you who's the best perimeter defender that the team has what like who would you say Wow, I mean, I'd, I'd probably go Denny or Bonga, right? And D- Denny has a lower usage rate, I think, than than Bonga for what that's worth. So that, <laughs> that says all you need to say. But yeah, I mean, the Wizards really have no wing depth. And honestly, like even adding, I can't pretend to be a draft expert, but even throwing a rookie in there, it's like 
that doesn't even come close to solving your, your issue. You, you have to get a vet who can play. Yeah, you do. But I look at even like Cleveland when they added Isaac Okoro, right, who is a rookie, but he just lifted that ceiling of that team so much by the fact that he was competent out there. Um, and I think there's some guys that you could, Jalen Johnson from Duke, maybe I'm not a big draft guy either, but I think there's some guys, granted that we're not going to be drafted in the top five, that can help at least infuse some athleticism, right? Like look at Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford, for whatever it's worth, was a replacement level player in Chicago. He's literally second round pick, was not, never thought of being anything. He comes in and this is not a fluke. He is awesome. He's blocking shots. He's contesting shots. He's providing that like rim running presence. Like he's a huge target offensively and on defense, he's swallowing everything up. And just going from a Robin Lopez to a Daniel Gafford has helped the defense so much. I think something very similar can happen on the wing. Like I was watching tonight and Davis Bertans was getting wrecked, chasing Patty Mills, chasing DeRozan, DeJounte Murray on all these switches, pick and rolls. Like he's getting smoked. And like, he, he is what he is. He's a situational bit player, but they're trying to play him like something he's not. Um, and I think you need a guy, whether it is through the draft or like you said, probably more free agency. I think you have to start there. You need to build low usage but high efficiency guys around Russ and Beal. I don't think Russ is going anywhere either. Maybe a team like the Knicks make a play for him or someone else who's desperate for for star power and you know sees that he still has it, but ultimately I think if you're going to start with this two guards, find wings and then find rim running bigs. I think you bring Gafford back obviously and I think you actually bring, you know, even Alex Len back who's been been okay. You trade Thomas Bryant. Um I think Bryant's efficient, he's useful offensively, but you wouldn't play him over Gafford. Let's say that much when, when the chips are on the table. And for that reason, you can find another backup center to pay $8 million a year too. So that's kind of how I'd start. And this is the purgatory route. The non-purgatory route is you sell Beal, you trade Beal for the farm. Now, what that is, we've talked about this. I don't know that that package exists. Maybe the Knicks, maybe the Nuggets, you know, maybe the Celtics, who knows, but that's going to be up to Beal. He's going to dictate that. He's earned that right. And so you start there and then you blow it up and let Russ lead the young guys until his contract comes off. And then it's another probably one or two years till you're relevant again. And to me, that, that's the more exciting route because at least with that route, you don't know what the hell you're going to get. You might, you might get five or six or seven years of just pure misery or you can quickly rebuild by getting one of those star players in the draft. It was disappointing, really that that wasn't the route they took this year because if they landed a top three or four pick, it would have been a cause for optimism. And and here we are again, really after an eight game win streak, kind of recognizing that this team still is, is terribly flawed. And, and even if they were to get a play in spot or even a playoff spot, the best case scenario is they get, they get beaten five games and then you're, then you're without a lottery pick and, and you're back with the same roster again next year. So all roads lead to this team kind of struggling to find its way. But I, I think at some point, I don't know, I, I have a, I have a bit more faith in, in the ownership group. I think the most people maybe blindly, but yeah, I was going to say out of curiosity, why? I don't know. I mean, they've invested so much in this team, right? Just from a pure financial standpoint, they, they built a new facility. They're paying Davis Burton a boatload of money, Russell Westbrook, Brad Beal. They're $1 million under the, under the, uh, under the tax under the luxury tax. So for them, it's like, how can you objectively assess this team and not recognize that it's been really a failure on all fronts, especially after changing the front office structure and adding all these people and having that 
crazy press conference where there was like 15 people and and they were supposed to like morph into one superpower that was going to take the wizards like captain planet dude i thought i was like (laughs) exactly and it was just an assortment of like here's the former browns gm he's here he's gonna do something and then like tommy shepard will just pretend he's new even though he's been here for 16 years but I've always found that Ted runs his teams like he runs businesses, right? So in the corporate world, you don't make rash decisions, right? You, you, you don't just like plug in and out CEOs, CFOs, like that sends bad signals to the market, your stock price is all over the place. And so I always felt that he thinks of it like he's running a business. And I don't think a sports team is fundamentally like that. Yes, there is a bottom line component. And yes, there is an investment component of which he's good about, like you just said, practice facility, all the upgrades, the cap one center, et cetera, like everything he's doing around the team, esports. Um, I think though, that where he really struggles is understanding when to uh, put, put the pressure on, right? You think about John Wall's career and we talk about this all the time. John Wall's five-time all-star, one-time all-NBA, all-defense. We know the drill. It was an, abject failure what they did for him and what they did to him keeping Whitman around that long then hiring Scott Brooks not adding any real talent around him you know he didn't play with an all-star till his eighth year in the league till Beal made it um and so you're you're talking about an instance where there was so much time passing and now we're seeing it with Beal where there's so much time passing that he's not willing to pull the trigger on things that you don't get these years back like Bradley Beal may never lead the league in scoring again. He's averaging 31 a game and it's almost like in a void um, because we have Scott Brooks, because they've made a lot of bad cap decisions. The Jan Mahin signing, like people don't understand. These are not one year mistakes. That's a 10 year mistake, honestly, because once you do that, like 2016 was the only year they had cap space. Once you do that, sign Jan Mahin, sign Drew, uh, Andrew Nicholson, they had to give up a pick. That pick became Jared Allen, right? Just to get rid of him. They had Jan Mahini, so they couldn't sign anyone else after that. Beals Max goes on the book. Suddenly they have no more space until and then they're carrying two Max contract guards. So this is the problem, right? You, you don't get a lot of chances to, to make it right. And every time you miss those minor things that you do well, whether it's picking up a Daniel Gafford, whether it's picking up, you know, even Raul Neto or whoever, those are not enough. Um, because, you know, you just don't, and, and like from a development standpoint, maybe these guys could be like, look at Toronto, right? Like who's to say that I, Isak Bongo is not a better prospect than Pascal Siakam was four years ago when he was averaging like two points a game, but there's just nothing. There's nothing like we're not seeing any improvement. So uh, man, I, that, that sounded a lot like Kelly Oubre is the next Paul George. I gotta, <laughs> I dude. To that. Uh, I don't know, Nathan. What frustrates me about this team is we saw how just this, I mean, I can't call it a minor change because it was a coaching change, but a coaching change in Atlanta made all the difference. Just putting yeah. in there and, and for Washington, I mean, Scott Brooks, he's, he hasn't, I mean, after five years, what has Scott Brooks really done to show that he's the guy for the job? And, and I think, again, if, if you're Ted Leontis and if you're even approaching it, I guess, from a business perspective and you have this, uh, a person or this managerial sort of um, person in your business. And then, and he's shown and he's even regressed and his contracts ending. What's the point of even, why are we sitting here even contemplating the idea of, of bringing him back? I think just looking at the results, it's, it's kind of scary that, you know, just uh, uh, making a play in spot. I think you, I don't know how you, how you um, would react to this, but like if the wizards make a play in, there's a decent shot that Scott Brooks is back. And then what? If you're the winner. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that, 
it would be truly crazy unless they beat Brooklyn round one. Honestly, it'd be truly crazy to bring him back. Um, but can't you see this team saying, you know what? We dealt with COVID. Uh, we were the hardest. Oh, 100%. 100%. Thomas Bryant, ACL, Russell Westbrook quad. And look, we turned it around. We went, we were six games above 500 over the last 25 games or whatever the hell it is. And that's just the way the Wizards work. And it's hard, I think, as a, as a fan, you know, to to remain, I guess, loyal and, and care about the operations of the team when it's different faces in Tommy Shepard, but it's the, the end result is really the same thing year after year. Totally. And, and look, there is a world in which that's true, right? Like this team is worse than their reality would have been with a little bit better luck, but guess what? We have four other years of Brooks to be like, Hey, this wasn't it. Um, you know, even dating back to that series versus Celtics, how many times did we see, Marcin Gortat get switched on to Isaiah Thomas and just get cooked. And we just kept running. They just kept running it. And we just kept doing that pick and roll defense. And nobody switched anything. Nobody changed anything. And, and it was and like Kelly Olenek would just pick and pop us to death and like no changes. And that's the most successful season we've had, incidentally, since 1979. So this may be part of a broader problem, which is what are the expectations of the team? Like I see a lot of fans on Twitter who are excited about the run, and I am too right now, right? But until we change our expectations, there isn't a real urgency to change their methodology. And I think, you know, Ted has got a lot of goodwill because of the Caps title, which, you know, he stuck to his guns. He didn't trade Ovechkin. He didn't trade Backstrom. And I think he deserves credit for that. But we don't have a player like Ovechkin that can, that can kind of change the paradigm. Like he is an all time great, maybe the one of the 10 to 15 best players of all time. We don't have anybody in that stratosphere. So I think that's given him some rose colored glasses about how to run a team. And I think it's actually hurt the Wizards quite a bit um, because that patient philosophy only works when there you have the, the, the requisite horsepower. Um, but let me ask you this, because that's all the macro stuff, like even micro, like what's your rooting kind of interest this year knowing that we are where we are we're probably going to finish 10th at least um like what are you rooting to happen are you rooting we just get dumped and then it's the best chance to, to pick in the top five or you, if you're like all right if we're going to do this let's do this yeah i mean like a month and a half ago i was totally totally rooting for like a tank job just because it, it was i think the only real obvious avenue for this team to, to get a quick boost of uh, rein, reinvigorate the team and give them, I think, some hope for the foreseeable future. Because if they did lock in, you know, a top five pick and get one of these, um, you know, these rookies that, that are um, supposedly have star potential, then the Wizards all of a sudden overnight have, have another sort of franchise face. But now it's like, I guess you just watch to root for Beal to, become the top scorer in, in franchise history. And even that, it's like, what's the end result here? It's individual success that doesn't translate into winning. And then as a fan, you're just left with a bad team. And it's it's kind of perplexing. I mean, I, I wish, I mean, you mentioned the Caps title. It's like, that team was really good for a long time from what I know, right? Like they were, yeah. they were. They were and, they, and they had a lot of choke jobs um, in the playoffs before that. Sure. But like, from what I remember, that team was always really good. The Wizards sure. have been really bad for like a really long time. You mentioned the only real success that they had in the playoffs was the second round exit. It's like, 
All right. You yeah. don't have a Ovechkin or any of these guys who are Hall of Fame players. You don't have these guys who can win a championship next year just by virtue of their talent. And for the Wizards, I, I just don't understand how Telianos doesn't recognize that. But I don't know. I, I think, I think there's some some reason to be optimistic. I think Denny could end up becoming a player. I think Rui has shown flashes of being pretty good. And if Daniel Gafford does end up becoming even like a Rashawn Holmes type, and Bradley Beal plays at this level, it's the Eastern Conference. I guess you never know. But how many can at the end of the day, it's like how many contenders are there really, and how many tank jobs end up resulting in in an eventual contender? So. Can you really blame yeah. Wizards for going the route they are? I, I don't know if I could. It's hard. Yeah, and look, you can only pick in the you can only be bad in the years that you were bad, and they were bad in a few years that the draft wasn't that great. 2013 is a prime example where they took out a Porter third. You look back on that draft, Giannis went 15th, Rudy Gobert went 27th. Those are probably the two best. CJ McCollum went 10th or 11th. Those are probably the three best players of that draft. I mean that that shows you how. It's a crapshoot, right? The year they John Wall goes one. I love Wall, but the prior year was Blake Griffin. The year after was Kyrie Irving. You could probably argue both of those guys have had better careers, and that's just how it goes. And so, there's some luck component, no question. Uh, I, I I do think as we as we talk about this season, it would be a lot of fun to see Russ and Beal just go hey like just throw haymakers in you know this plan versus Indiana and Sabonis has no idea what hit him and like the whole thing is just like us going to town and like you know and then you play a Charlotte team that's still trying to work LaMelo ball back and still trying to work Gordon Hayward back maybe you know maybe that's something that happens or even better Boston falls to that eight spot and then you know you're playing them you get to send Tatum and Brown home like that would be a lot of fun um in a very like kind of specific moment in time you'd look back and be like oh great we're the eight seed playing Brooklyn but for the purpose of this season like I said nobody wants to watch every night and then root for the team to lose that's that's not a that's not a good basketball experience so I am rooting for the team now like they made their choice and I also like they had too much talent to really finish top five uh in the draft so given where we are I'm rooting for us to win every night um and I think you know you have the chance to have the best player on the floor every single night. And that, that means something um, that I think a lot of teams can't say. Yeah. And when was the last time the team has played meaningful basketball? You know what I mean? You mentioned the last playoff series, they got destroyed by Toronto and limped into that series. It's like year after year, it's like getting these ninth overall picks. I think as a fan, it gets pretty exhausting. And even those play-in games, they're pretty exciting. If nothing else, it's a mini playoff series for a team to get excited about or fans to get excited about. And also, yeah. I think it, it does does some good for player development in Rui and Danny's obviously not going to be playing in, in the play-in, but for you know a player like Daniel Gafford and, and and Rui, it could do some good for their development. And you never know what can sprout from that. But Nathan, yeah. thanks for coming on the podcast. I might, hey Anthony, you might have just got replaced. I got to shoot you. It's <laughs> over. But you can follow Nathan on Twitter. I'll drop the link in the uh, description of the podcast. You can follow his podcast as well, Thick and Thin. Nathan, anything else before we let these guys go? Hey, man, whenever you need me back to just cry about the Wizards for 30 minutes, I'm here for you. Appreciate you having me on. That's daily, Anthony. It was nice (laughs) having you. All right. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.